and welcome to the Kettlebell Collective podcast. My name is Tiffany and today's interview is with Ian Gilligan and Sergeant Major Kettlebell. We have some cool things coming up with the Kettlebell Collective. On March 23rd, we have the Glutes Workshop with Haley Kazda and on March 27th, we have a Turkish Get Up Workshop with me, Tiffany Longcore. If you are looking for more information and if you'd like to sign up, please check out our Instagram where there will be more information Um, and we can't wait to see you. Enjoy the interview. And we are recording. All right. Sergeant Major Kettlebell, thank you for sitting down with me and doing this conversation with the Kettlebell Collective. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks for reaching out. You know, um, your page more than any. I really appreciate your page because from the beginning when I was first started out, I think you just share content from a lot of different people. I think some aggregate pages, you know, get athletes that are really gigantic, um, that can do something for their page as far as clicks and views. But your page is, you know, you just have a lot of different viewpoints. You have jugglers on your page. You have kettlebell flow guys on your page. You have SFG guys on your page. And you have guys like me who are pretty specific in what I do with kettlebells. Very cool. I appreciate you saying that. Um, my intent with the collective is to highlight uh, two things, people doing cool stuff with kettlebells. And then number two, people giving uh, exceptional instruction with their stuff. So regardless of follower count, um, that's what I uh, choose to share on that channel. And speaking of cool stuff, um, you have three world records for the most consecutive kettlebell swings. Yeah, actually, it's not the most consecutive kettlebell swings. The records are okay. for the most weight swung during a certain time period. So I have the one-minute record, the three-minute record, and I had the one-hour record, but I don't have it anymore. It's since been broken. So that's what I've been training for recently. If you've been following my story or my page, I've been building up to – we take the one hour record so you can use any weight kettlebell that you want it's basically the aggregate of how many swings you do times the weight of the kettlebell and that's how you try to set the record so there's a lot of forethought that you have to put into that as far as what type of weight do you want to use do you want to swing super heavy with less reps or do you want to swing a lighter weight that you could do more time so i put a lot of thought time and effort and energy into game planning that type of stuff very cool. What, uh, what made you uh, want to do, go for the record for in any of those camps? Yeah, it's really funny. I deployed to Iraq in 2017 and I brought a kettlebell with me and you know, I was doing swings every day and I had stumbled upon the 300 swings a day um, website. It's basically anytime during the day, just get 300 swings in. There wasn't a lot of functional fitness equipment at the time I was doing CrossFit. So I brought trusty 53 pound kettlebell with me and I was just doing a lot of swings and from doing them every single day I just got quicker at doing them less rest time between doing my sets and at some point you know I, I think I eventually did 500 swings in 30 minutes and somebody was like hey that's pretty cool is there a world record for that and that was like the first moment that it even entered my mind hey there may be a world record for swinging kettlebells so I googled it and there was a world record and I attempted to break it back in when I first came back from deployment. I didn't make it. I ripped apart my hands. I wasn't able to beat the record, but about a year later, I was able to beat it 
2018. Wow. That's wild. Um, just want to say thank you for your service. Oh, well. hey, thanks for saying that. I appreciate yeah. that. Absolutely. Um, so I'm curious about like, kettlebells came from Russia. Do you know, was this um, metric like the, the highest number, highest amount of weight swung in a given amount of time. Did this also come from Russia? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's a Guinness world record. So I think it was probably, you know, they have a lot of different exercises and weight moved during certain periods of time. So I think at some point there was a record established, but I don't think it's specifically having to do, having to do with that. Same with the three minute record and the one minute record. Right on. Yeah. So how long, when did you first start going for the records? Was it in 2017? Yeah. Once I first discovered that there was a record, literally from the time I discovered there was a record, I attempted to break it like six weeks later, <laughs> didn't make it. And then about a year later, I did break it. But I just look at my journey since 2017. You know, it's really got me on to this doing swings dominantly as my form of exercise. And I have, you know, just a million different ways of doing swings as far as I do EMOM swings during the week, which is really doing swings every minute on the minute, a certain number of reps with a certain mm -hmm. weight. And then I incorporate them into my workout. So every single day, I'm just doing something with swings. When I'm doing other workouts, I actually can use Russian swings as a rest period to kind of lower my heart rate because I'm so used to just doing so many swings that Wow. Don't really, they don't really affect me. I think the way that they affect other people because I've been able to just perfect my technique and I've just thought about it so much and I've practiced it so much, literally hundreds of thousands of reps that they're just not very difficult for me. So it's been, you know, um, something I've been able to focus on and something I'm really good at, I think. Clearly, clearly very good at it. Um, I'm curious, what, what are the, the records that you have in the one minute and the three minute? So, you know, when I was focusing on the one minute and three minute, I wanted to try to, I could use any weight that I wanted to. So obviously during a one minute and three minute, I didn't want to take any breaks. So I trained to do the heaviest weight that I could swing for each period consecutive without putting down the weight. So for the three minute, I did, you know, I swung a 97 pounder. You know, I think um, 110 times over three minutes. Wow. And for the one minute record, I, sw I swung a 124 pound kettlebell 37 times in one minute. <laughs> Wild. Very cool. And then the, how, what did you swing for the one hour? For the one hour record, when I, for every time I've attempted it, I've done a 53 pound kettlebell and I swung it three, 1,346 times. So I'm starting to realize now, if I've just been practicing with lots of different weights, that the 53 isn't really getting me where I want to go. I could break the record now with the 53-pound kettlebell, but it's not really what I want to do. I've been swinging with a 70. And um, you could just bank a lot more weight. I mean, there's just a lot of different factors, especially to me, out of the three records, the one hour is king record. I mean, to me... Mm -hmm. It's just, you're doing it for an hour. There's a lot more things that you have to account for. Your hands, your um, not gassing, your grip strength, the ability to maintain your hip thrust. Just, there's a lot more things that you have to think about. So I want to be able to 
max out the heaviest weight that I can do during that time and still be able to get the reps that I need to. So I've been working with a 70 pounder um, in my practice since. Very so cool. last year, you know, last year when I, or 2018, when I broke it, I did 1,346 reps. Somebody broke that record with, you know, around 1,400 reps. So now if I do it with a 70 pounder, I have to do 1,185 reps to break it with a 70 pounder. And in practice, I did 1,500 reps about two or three weeks ago. So I'm well over where I need to be. I mean, my goal now, and I don't want to sound cocky at all, but I want to put up a number that's so big that nobody ever really attempts to do it again. Like I'm not looking for an upper bound. I'm trying to do the most that I can do. I mean, I have this moment in time that I'm in great swing and shape and I've been doing it a lot and who knows how long I'll be able to do this. I'm 44 years old, you know? Um, yeah. You know, if you swing, if you swing a kettlebell for one hour straight, you never put down the kettlebell, you could do about 2,100 swings. So I'm at 1,500 swings with a 70 pounder. So I'm just trying to see how, close I can get obviously to 2100 I know I'm not going to get there but I think I still have some more room that I can you know get some more swings and get some more weight into the bank for the one hour wow I'm reminded of uh breaking the four minute mile I think you're you're basically setting the bar and uh I think a, a lot of people are gonna try to chase you you know I really hope so because I kind of feel like a lot of times some of the things I do for swings, you know, I wish there was more people in the competitive swing game because I post a lot of stuff and I put it out there, you know, I do consecutive swings. I do this thing, max unbroken swings. And I've gotten up to, I've worked up to 1100 unbroken swings with a 53. And I always, I always make a joke and I say, you know, uh, max unbroken swings is a cool sport. I'm the best at it because I'm the only person that does it. <laughs> I really wish more people in the community who like swings, it's such a great way to exercise. It's such a great way to test your capacity. And simple and sinister, Pavel says that you should do sets no larger than 10, but once every two weeks, you should do a max unbroken. And I never see, I never see any content of anybody else doing it. So maybe people will see this interview and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to put up all swings. Let me see. Let me pick up a 53 or a 44 or a 70. Let me see how many I can do unbroken. Brad. So for somebody just starting out, um, would you recommend a, what would you recommend? Like easing in? Oh, as far as easing in and doing kettlebell swings, I think the most important stuff is to just really focus on your form and really good, get good at swinging lower weights. I mean, one thing I see when I'm looking at content is people just, you know, swinging weights that are maybe too heavy for them and they're like swinging it up to their waist and they're not really getting that hip thrust that they need. And that's dangerous and it's going to, you know, potentially lead to injury and then they'll get frustrated and then this won't work out anymore. So I think you just need to be able to continue to work out and do a weight that's comfortable for you. But still, once you get the form down, challenge yourself. You know, like I was saying earlier, I weigh 180 pounds and I'm able to swing kettlebells that are really big compared to my size just because I've gotten the form down so well that I'm able to generate a lot of force from my hips. Oh, yeah. They're ultra dialed in. I mean, your brain knows exactly what a, a kettlebell swing is how to communicate. Yeah, I, know it for, I know it for every weight. When I pick up a, you know, um, a 53, when I pick up a 70, when I pick up a 97, I just have so many reps with each one of those weights that it's just not uncomfortable to me when I pick up those weights. It starts getting uncomfortable. Honestly, I have a video on my page of me swinging a 150. 
that's when I'm starting to get out of my comfort zone. But even with the 124, when I did that for the world record, I mean, I don't want to say it was another day in the park, but I just didn't feel like I was under duress. And when I swing, I like to really slow down my pace. And, um, you know, it helps me rest at the top when I get to kettlebell weightless. But when you get to really heavy kettlebells, it's, it's harder to do that because you have to have constant tension because it's just such a big kettlebell. Right. So once people nail their form, um, say they want to work towards their max rep, do you recommend they try that every couple of weeks? Yeah. If I was going to start training somebody, you know, obviously I have my own methodology. I don't have any certificates in kettlebell. So I just want to caveat that before we start. Um, I like doing sets every minute on the minute and do it for like 30 minutes. That's a, a key workout. I do that every single week. So pick a number get your 44, get your 53 and do, I don't know, start off with like 16 swings per minute, every minute on the minute and see how long you can maintain that or do it for 20 minutes. Week after do it for 30 minutes. And then the crew that I work out with, we, you know, I have them add reps every single week as they get better. So, okay. So last week you did 16. Why don't you try 17 this week? Why don't you do yeah. 18 this week? Why don't you do 19? You know, 20 is where you're starting to really get, to your working because it really comes down to your work rest ratio. That's what I concentrate on. I don't concentrate on reps as much as I concentrate on how long am I working, how long am I resting, and how can I increase the amount of time that I work. You know, the reps are kind of secondary to me. It's just mm-hmm. that work rest ratio. So for somebody just starting off, start off with do a 20 minute workout every minute on the minute. Start off with 16 swings. Start off with 18 swings as you um as you progress, you're going to notice that there's three things when you're doing kettlebell swings that are going to make you not be able to swing anymore. It's going to be your grip strength. It's going to be your ability to maintain your heart rate at a low heart rate. So you don't gas and your ability to maintain your hip drive. At some point you got to put down the kettlebell or you're not going to be able to get back on the kettlebell because you're tired. It's going to be one of those three things that are going to fail you. Um, to me, as you build your strength in kettlebell swinging, you should want the thing to fail to be your ability to maintain hip drive. Because the other things to me are correctable. They're easy. It's like your grip strength. That's going to get better with time as you hold on to the kettlebell, keep the kettlebell in your hands. Mm-hmm. Your heart rate, um, that's something, again, it's your cardiovascular endurance. You can improve that. But your ability to maintain your hip drive, that's really the brass tacks as far as swinging kettlebells. That's what you're trying to improve. Repetitive, repetitive hip drive is what we're doing. That's how you generate all the power in your body. Aside from kettlebell swings, are there any exercises you think are good for uh, conditioning your body to do those repetitive hip drives? Yeah, absolutely. Every exercise that you do with the kettlebell, it should be a hip drive exercise. I post a lot of workouts on my story, on my, on my personal Instagram page, but obviously if you're doing goblet lunges, goblet squats, push presses, anything that you're moving the kettlebell, you're getting a lot of benefits from that, that you should really be, it should be a hip drive exercise. There isn't an exercise you do with a kettlebell in your hands that isn't a hip drive exercise. I mean, other than maybe bent over rows or something like that, that's more of like a weightlifting exercise, but anything else, what I tell the people I work out with is figure out a way to get your hips engaged, to really break your hips, pop your hips. And you're only breaking them, you know, a couple inches um, you really you, want a focused movement of breaking your hips and then explosive hip drive to pop the weight 
And that's what you're repeating when you're doing the kettlebell swing is that breaking your hips, popping your hips, breaking your hips, popping your hips, catch, release, catch, release. Gotcha. Very cool. Do you use chalk or for your hands? I do use chalk, but one thing I've learned over my journey of being kind of a kettlebell swinger is that you want to limit your use of chalk. I mean, chalk is like a crutch. You know, it's great. I want to use chalk. It makes me feel more comfortable because when I have that tension in the kettlebell and I'm jacking that kettlebell, I want it to be glued to my hand because that's how I'm generating power. But that puts a lot of pressure on your hand. So my advice would be use chalk, but use it sparingly because it's going to put a lot of pressure on your hands. And if you have problems with your hands that you get a blood blister or rips, it's going to be because you use too much chalk. So I used to every single, when I'm doing EMOB, I used to do it every single minute. Now I do it one time in the beginning, I use some chalk and I try to get to minute 20, 25, 30, almost like something to look forward to. Like, okay, I'm going to use a little bit of chalk because if I use it every minute, I know I'm going to get a hot spot in my hand by minute 20 or 25. Interesting. Very cool. Um, one other, what, to what degree do you think is your mindset a role in going for max swings in an hour? Uh, <laughs> a lot of it. Um, I don't know if I could put a percentage on it, but I think that, you know, a lot of the times when I'm working on my kettlebells, what I tell everybody is resist the urge to put the kettlebell down because you get a lot of the benefit from just holding on to the kettlebell. It's in the goblet position. Even if you just pop it on your shoulder, when you rest, I don't like to put the kettlebell down because you get so much benefit because it increases your heart rate just from holding on to the kettlebell. And I kind of feel when I'm doing the max unbroken, it's me versus myself. I'm just in a world and I'm swinging. Physically, I can jack that kettlebell a little bit, but I have to have such extreme mental focus to keep my form down because if I start daydreaming for a second and I start dipping my chest too far or I start doing something that I just, it's not in line with how I do kettlebell swings, it's going to cause my heart to start racing, you know, um, it could just fall apart really quickly. So it's just kind of like getting into my own head. And another thing is like, I already know the number that I'm going for, you know, what's, what's my personal best? Well, it's 900. I know I'm going to try to get to 900 today. So people say, well, when does it get hard? Well, it gets hard right from the beginning because you're doing swings. And every time I start, I'm like at 200. I'm like, oh man, I'm constantly that self-doubt in my mind. Like, man, I don't even know if I'm going to get to 500 today. And I just keep swinging. And then I get to 500. I'm like, okay, 600. I'm definitely putting this kettlebell down. And then I get to 600. And then I keep going. And I've done this every single time that I put up a big number. It started off as the worst unbroken attempt in history. I'm just in my mind, but I just kind of keep on feeling like I don't have to put this kettlebell down. I don't have to. I, I have the decision right now. I don't have physically, I don't have to put this down. It's just whether or not I choose to put it down. I mean, the one thing that will force me to put it down is, you know, if my hands get really wet, like I chalk up a lot in the beginning, and then it's just maintaining my grip. And a lot of times if I do it and it's warm outside and I start sweating, there's nothing I can do about that. I just can't maintain my grip anymore. But the time I did um, 1100, I was outside 
Southern California, for some reason, it was like 38 degrees that day. It was just like the perfect day mm. for a Max Unbroken attempt, and I was able to do it. So hopefully in the next couple months, it gets, you know, it stays relatively cool here in Southern California, and I'll be able to, you know, do another attempt. Very cool. Uh, going to that extreme, like, reminds me of, like, doing an ice bath. And a lot of people are saying that when you do an ice bath, it's so intense. You're, you're building a mindset that will have carryover in the rest of your life. Do you think by going to these uh, over a thousand swings per hour, like that mindset. Do you think that carried over in any areas of your life? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I like to set goals. I like to, just like anybody else, I like to have, you have to have a goal oriented mindset when you're doing stuff mm -hmm. in life. I think it leads to better outcomes. So the U S Marine, you know, obviously you have to have, the mindset of just you're not going to be denied in what you want to do in life. I think you're just going to have better outcomes when you have a growth mindset that you're going to learn from your mistakes. You're going to get better. I kind of just, I want to rely on myself. You know, I see a lot of stuff online about kettlebells and, you know, there's a lot of appeal to authority in our community. Well, this guy has a certificate. He knows what he's talking about. This is the right way to do it. And I just, I don't think like that. I, I want to use my brain. I'm going to use my own experience in life and figure things out for myself. I do so many things differently than like trained people. And I'm not like talking bad about them. They can do it however they want. But if you look yeah. at my form and you look at your typical, I just graduated with my weekend certification course, SFT instructor and their form, it just, it's a little bit different. And I think, I don't think they're wrong, but I think I'm right. I love me, that. Me, when you're doing the kettlebell swing, I see a lot of people, I talked about the three keys to kettlebell swing and what's gonna make you put down the kettlebell. And I think that the, to the extent possible, if you can shorten your movement, you're gonna generate more power and you're gonna be able to repeat generating that power. I see most people when they do their backswing on the kettlebell swing, they go really deep, they go really low and the kettlebell goes between their legs and they almost sell out right from the beginning. You'll see people, their chest will go facing the ground whereas if you watch me i have a laser on my chest and it's always facing forward proud chest and i'm only really going back to the extent possible and i can generate more power by doing that it's like a piston okay imagine if you're in a fist fight right and i know i know you probably don't get in fist fights but let's say you're in a fist fight right you're getting ready to jack somebody and you had a choice between coming back here and punching somebody or you're right here and you did a little three-inch punch which one's going to have more power the three-inch punch obviously you're able to generate more power from your hips and pop it and you're going to have so much more power than if you do a big roundhouse right but i see most people who do kettlebell swings and they have all this wasted movement they have all this i don't want to say slop in their movement but you're not getting any more power by going deep your power projection point is your hips your kettlebell to the extent possible should be as close as possible to your hips. I mean, I teach people put it right on your crotch. Imagine you had a catapult and there's a kettlebell in the center of your catapult. The further that kettlebell gets from the center of that catapult, the less power it's going to have when you throw it. And I feel like your hips are the same way. You have to put the kettlebell right on your hips. So if you, on your downswing, if you go really low, it's going to force that kettlebell to go further and further away from your power projection point. 
which is your hips. So I like to just, if you watch my body, it's kind of going back just a little bit. As much as only to the extent that I needed to go back to generate that force, I'm still able to generate the force to lift big weights and, um, you know, get back on the weight. The other thing that happens in is when you go down, when you go down and you kind of sell out and your chest goes down really far is it immediately raises your heart rate. You're working a lot harder where I just try to stay mm. under control at all times. And that's why I'm able to do set to 25 every minute on the minute and get right back on the kettlebell because I'm not, I'm trying to not raise my heart rate. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want my heart racing because that's going to gas me and I'm not going to be able to get back on the kettlebell. Very cool. Interesting point on the, the heart rate. So back to the, the, what you're saying about the hip drive and the power creation. So if you keep the kettlebell basically in the crotch, are you saying yeah. that um, if you go back too far, you'll generally have less power, less thrust forward than if you just go back a shorter distance? Yeah, it's exactly what I'm saying. If you go down further, your chest is going to go down further, and then the kettlebell is going to go between your legs. It's going to be removed from your hips. And when you generate that force forward, you're gotcha. going to slide the kettlebell up, and it's going to be inexact. I mean, I see people, and they're able to generate force. I mean, I could do it. I can swing like that. I can generate force, but it's not okay. optimal. What are we doing? We want to do optimal swings. Keep it on, okay. your, keep it on your hips. Push your hips back slightly, and it's kind of like that quick snap. You're just, it's like you're flicking your wrist, right? And you're doing that. You could do that all day long once you get used to swinging like that. If you don't need to maintain tension with the kettlebell, don't maintain tension. That's another thing that I differ from some classic methodology is let the kettlebell float, rest at the top. People know that, you know, but don't maintain tension with the kettlebell because that's good again, Raise your heart rate needlessly. Whereas if you just maintain tension when you need to, you can generate the power. Cool. So I think I get I get it now with the catapult analogy. Basically, your hips or crotch are basically the that that bowl of the catapult, yes. keeping um, the kettlebell in that bowl versus versus the deep hip hinge slides it out out of the bowl. You lose that extra that oomph. Very yep. cool. Yeah, are there, exactly. Are there any other, and then the heart rate element too, by not lowering the chest as far, are there any other um, insights that you think are um, maybe different from the mainstream that you've uncovered by doing these, uh, going for these goals? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we covered the main ones is just your form as far as only move to the extent that you have to move. Um, don't sell out. Keep your movements as short as possible. Um, rest control, obviously. When you have the opportunity to rest, rest. When I do, you know, a thousand straight kettlebell swings, obviously, I'm resting during that period. If I was able, if I was just keeping tension that entire time and going really fast and doing hard, you know, I hate to say it hard style swings where it's almost like a sprint. Every time you do the hard style swing, you're sprinting from here to there. That's why, you know, they're putting on the kettlebell and they're keeping their heart rate up and all they're doing this stuff. You know, I'm doing it a little bit more 
I don't want to say laid back, but I'm generating the power that I need to, but I'm able to rest while I'm working out, which I feel like is a little bit of a difference. And I'm able to do repetitive hip thrusts, which I think over time is building more power because I'm able to continue to work other than having to put the kettlebell down and rest. Right on. The, um, and I, I mean, I think I see where I see the strong first value. Like I, if you're just focused on power, uh, and full body strength, maintaining that tension would be important, but for the endurance game, it's all about efficiency, right? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of, it just depends on what your goals are. And it says it right in simple and sinister right in the beginning. This is a great book for, you know, um, most people, most are goals, but if you have specific goals, you've got to do specific training, which I think that's where I differ from a lot of that methodology is I'm very specific in what I'm trying to do. Awesome. Very impressive. Very, very inspiring. Um, do you, are you, do you coach people in, um, achieving these like high rep swings? Yeah. Um, I was just in Cuba for the last year when I was down there, started a kettlebell club, the Guantanamo kettlebell club. And we used to have yeah. a lot of people come out and jack kettlebells to me, you know, when it comes to coaching other individuals or working out, I just like to lift weights with other people. So, you know, my viewpoint is never, I never want to modernize my knowledge with kettlebells. I just, you know, if anybody's in the Southern California area, send me a private message. You can come jack kettlebells with us and I'll show you what I know. That's just my mindset for everything. Cause I think shared bonds with other individuals who have the same goals as you do, whether they want to try to set a record or they just want to get stronger. Um, you know, I'll try to, I'll tell anybody everything I know in order to do that. But I like to do functional fitness type workouts with kettlebells with other individuals, you know, cause I think that's kind of like the bread and butter every day is try to, you know, maintain your heart rate, you know, improve your grip strength. Everything is always getting back to max kettlebell swings, but I don't do that every single day. I do a lot of functional fitness workouts with kettlebells with other individuals and I'll, I'll teach them the way of the kettlebell, the way I understand it, as far as how do you generate power from your hips? How do you maintain workouts and then just work out with them? And then if they, you know, normally there's been some people like, Hey, show me some specific stuff with kettlebell swings. What do you do? And then I'll work with them off on the side. Very cool. One more thing. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on breathing. Do you use any specific patterns? Nose, mouth? I'm, I'm sure I do. I just can't think about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did it. If I had a kettlebell out here, I would start swinging it and try to remember. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm sure I do have a pattern, but it's nothing that I really think about. I'm sure it just comes like second nature. Right on. Keep me posted on that. I'm very interested in all things breathing. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Steve, uh, thank you so much for your, for your time, for sharing this. There's a ton of awesome information and insights in this conversation. Um, is there anything else? Uh, people, everybody follow Steve on Sergeant Major Kettlebell on Instagram. We'll plug that. Is there any other information you would like to share? No, hey, just thanks for having me. I post 
workouts all the time on my story on the page and the offer's good for anybody in the Southern California area. I know me and you, Ian, are going to be jacking bells pretty soon. You live right down the street. I can't even believe it, man. I do. Yeah. I'm looking so, forward to it. Yeah. Pretty soon we're going to jack some bells, man. It's going to be awesome. Hell yeah. All right. Thank you, Steve. All right. Thanks, Ian. Great talking to you, man. You too.